Hi, my name is Queen Zoya Counts, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Evil Lives Amongst Us, African American True Crime. Yes, I love true crime stories, but very seldom do I hear true crime stories about African Americans. So I created this podcast to share with my listeners about the true crimes that African Americans commit. So sit back, lend me your ears, and listen to some of the most horrendous crimes committed by African Americans. Hi, my name is Queen Zoya Counts and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, True Crimes of African Americans, Evil Lives Amongst Us. Have y'all heard about Priscilla Joyce Ford? She is classified as a mass murderer. Her characteristics is that she tells the people that she hit that they were pigs and animals and they were let out in a wild place. She also testified that she was the incarnation of Jesus and incapable of sin. The number of her victims was six. The date of the murder happened November 27th, 1980. The date of her arrest happened the same day. She was born February 10th, 1929. It was three white females and three white males. All her victims were white. She drove her car onto a crowded Reno sidewalk in Reno, Nevada. She was sentenced to death on April 29th, 1982, and she died in prison in, on January 29th, 2005. Priscilla Ford, black female, age 51, three victims on November 27, 1980. She was convicted of a mass murderer. She was sentenced to death for killing six people and injuring 23 more people while driving down a Reno sidewalk on Thanksgiving Day in 1980. She launched so many appeals to meet her death sentence, all of which failed. And she was smoked heavy and she died at the age of 75 from emphysema. So let's see what happened. It goes on to say that she drove her car down a Reno sidewalk in 1980, killing six and injuring 23. She was the only woman on Nevada's death row, but she died. She had been suffering from emphysema and was pronounced dead at 11.05. She was driving a 1974 Lincoln Continental down a crowded Reno sidewalk. Now, have y'all ever been in a 1974 Lincoln Continental? That's a big ass car. What was going on with her? She had been very quiet. Someone said no one had ever had any problems with her while she was in prison. She didn't even remember um, or anybody ever remembering her violating 
any rules. Her appeals of the death sentence cost taxpayers a lot of money and unfairly caused victims' families to keep reliving the tragedy over and over and over again. This was a tragedy for so many people. She killed six and injured 23. She felt like by her being in Nevada, she probably won't going to be getting a fair trial. So that's why she kept right on appealing. People go on to say that she suffered from a variety of mental illnesses. But the prosecutor says she knew the difference between what was right and wrong. So doesn't this sound familiar? Didn't this happen um, during the COVID when, when this dude ran down these people during a Christmas parade in his car? Don't this, don't this sound very familiar? This is crazy. She was born in Michigan. They go on to say she had an IQ of 140. She was a school teacher who had moved to Reno from Maine about three weeks before the rampage. She told acquaintances she went to Reno to look for her missing daughter, Winter Scott. Washo County authorities had placed the girl in a foster home in 1973 after she, Ford was arrested for trespassing. Before the 1980 crime that became known as the Thanksgiving Day Massacre, Four had said the people of Reno will pay in death for taking my daughter. She also told a U.S. attorney in Maine in 1979 that she would run pedestrians down if he did not help her get her daughter back. So she put it out there like she told she told them this is what I'm going to do. And she did exactly what she said. But she was sentenced to death and she deliberately struck these people while driving along the gambling strip. These people out here gambling. It's the holiday. Everybody out there having a good time. And here she come. One resident, Mary Edmondson, go on to say she came right at us. She came right at us with a body still on the hood of the car. And she looked like she was looking for somebody else to hit. The black Lincoln twisted street signs and crushed newspaper vending boxes and knocked over a fire call box. She carried the body of a woman on the hood for a whole block and still didn't stop. They said the dead and injured littered the bloody sidewalk as rescue workers frantically administered aid. Nearby casinos remained open for subsequently referred to her victims as beasts and pigs. After she was arrested, she told a doctor that the voice of Joanne Kennedy, the wife of Senator Edward Kennedy of Massachusetts, ordered her to kill, just run through a whole bunch of people and kill everybody. So this woman got in her Lincoln Continental Thanksgiving Day in Reno, Nevada in 1980, ran through a crowd of people, killed six Andrew 23 and said that the voice of Senator Edward Kennedy's wife told her to run through a whole bunch of people and kill everybody. I wonder, is this the same voice that said, and I quote, I am in the state of mind because I am in heaven and I am the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. Now, how many people are the reincarnations of Jesus Christ? She said she was happy. That she ran those people over in her Lincoln Continental. 
She said that's what they deserved. She didn't care. She said, how can I care? Ain't nothing I could do. Feeling good doesn't do any good for them. All because they took her daughter. But she told them that she was going to run over a whole bunch of people before it happened. And nobody took her seriously. They said that she had been experimenting with marijuana in 1971. And she considered it the tree of life. That must have been some good bud. She told jurors her husband died after their separation in 1972. And one day after she told her children, I hope God strikes him dead. And God struck him dead. She left Reno in 1973 in an odyssey aimed at regaining custody of her daughter. Her travels took her to Maine, Vermont, and Chicago, where she quit two jobs because she did not like black people. She didn't like black people now, okay? But Priscilla Joyce Ford, as I look at her picture, she was just as black, blackity black, as black as you can get, but did not like black people. Oh my goodness. What is this world coming to? She goes on to say that she did not appreciate the fact that the people she was hitting were human beings. So she was crazy. What in the world? It took them five days to sentence her to death. The district attorney called Mrs. Ford evil personified. Her lawyer argued that she was mentally ill. She was a former teacher convicted on six counts of murder and 23 counts of attempted murder. And she pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. But they said she was insane. And so even though she said I'm the incarnation of Jesus and I am incapable of sin, they found her sane and she stood trial. On February 10th, 1929, Priscilla Ford is born in Barron Springs, Michigan. In 1957, with only a high school education, she takes a job as a teacher in a one-room schoolhouse in Michigan. At first, they're kind of skeptical of her abilities and nervous because she is the first black teacher in the area. But they are soon singing her praises as a gifted, caring teacher. And she keeps the job for more than seven years and then earns a bachelor degree in education in 1966. In 1970, her family and friends report that, you know, she's acting weird. She reports seeing her dead husband across the street from her home in Buffalo, New York. And she talks about having the soul of Adam and Jesus. Her son returns from the army in 1972 and he goes on to report her as being disillusional and she's an alcoholic. 1973, she moves to Reno. Voluntary commits herself to the Nevada Mental Health Institute where she is treated and released. Her diagnosis, passive aggressive personality with hysterical episodes. 1974, she is arrested for trespassing and again sent for a mental health evaluation. Her daughter, Winter Scott 11, is taken by social workers and placed in Wittenberg Hall. Ford considers her daughter a kidnapping 
victim. Then she moves back to New York where she seeks help from Catholic charities in Buffalo. A nun says she was disillusional. In 1978, she's treated at another mental hospital in Blackfoot, Idaho. And then in 1979, she's treated in another hospital back in Buffalo, New York, where now they diagnosed her with being paranoid schizophrenia. So all of this stuff is going on, but they still, you know, they, they still said she was sane. 1980, she lived in Maine, asked the attorney for help getting her daughter back. She tells the lawyer that if don't nobody help me, I'm going to drive down to Nevada and I'm going to kill everybody I see along the way. November 1980, on route to San Francisco, she stops in Reno to cash a check and decides to remain in the city. She gets a temporary job as a package wrapper at Macy's because, you know, November, that's around Thanksgiving, which is around the holiday. November 27, 1980, she goes on a five-block Thanksgiving Day rampage in her 1974 Lincoln, killing six people, injuring 23. Arrested at the scene, she later tells the jealous she did what she had to do and that the people she hit, they was just pigs. They was animals let out in a wild space. 1981, a judge orders that Ford receive mental health treatment so that she will be competent for trial. She pleads not guilty by reason of insanity in August 1981. And in March 20th, 1982, a jury of seven men and five women find Ford guilty on all accounts. She is sentenced to death on March 29th and says, I would like to be left alone to die in peace. For the next 18 years, she goes through appeals trying to get off the death row in Eli, Nevada. Picture this. It is 1980, 47 degrees. It's Thursday. It's November. It's 2.57 in the afternoon. Everybody done pigged out. They done ate. They all walking around trying to walk off that food, trying to gamble, trying to think, you know, get a little money for Christmas. You know, there was tourists out there because it was during the end of the National Recession because in 1980, Ronald Reagan was the president. And at that time, there was 54 American hostages held in Iran. What a year to be alive. A heinous act will occur on the spot in a matter of moments. An act that suspended in that bygone second in time will live on more than two Decades later. Reno. I've never been. Always wanted to go. Clubs on the strip. Haraz. Club Cal Neva. R-E-N-O. The biggest little city on the world. There's an arch going on. Harold's Club. Nevada Club. Then Douglas Alley. 60 seconds pass, the sandwich board man amples a bit farther towards the university. These are people going on about their business, not thinking something is going to happen. There's a curve hidden, hiding the Truckee River, and the hill rises to Liberty Street. A six-year-old blue Lincoln continent, continental, heads North Virginia Street, deaf is behind the wheel. Actually, it was black. In this carnation, death takes the form of Priscilla Joyce Ford. 
She wears a black cape. She turned 51 nine months earlier on February 10th. And even though she's a little buzzed because she had been drinking, she made it all the way from her home near May Meadowood Mall. Because she doesn't think she's deaf, though she thinks she's Jesus Christ or Adam or a 19th century seven-day Adventist prophetess or the Holy Spirit, who is in her belief system, the feminine aspect of the Trinity. She's five foot four inches tall, weighs 125 pounds, has brown eyes, slender lift hair, combed back. She ate crackers and had wine before leaving to do this. Her blood alcohol ratio is 0.162. This, that's too drunk to be driving legally. But many a barfly has made it home with much higher. It takes another minute. She's driving. She's driving on her way 100 feet south of the southeast corner of 2nd and Virginia Streets. The Lincoln jumps the curve and careens down the sidewalk. It hits the curve about 20 miles an hour. Speed not likely to blow the tires. But the car rapidly accelerates 40 miles per hour driving 100 feet down the sidewalk. Witnesses will later say it crosses the 2nd Street crosswalk and continues on 322 feet down the sidewalk in front of the bank, in front of Faraz, Nevada Club, and Harold's Club. Then it's back on Virginia Street, crossing to the southbound lane and stopping two blocks later behind traffic. So you show, so the light is red, so she stopped at a red light. Five people are killed immediately, and 24 are injured. 14 people will be sent to the medical center. The remainder 10 to St. Mary Street signs, body parts, clothing, and the wooden lie dead on the sidewalk and in the gutter like victims of a natural disaster. It takes only a few seconds before to drive the five block total for the victims. Every second following the attack is an eternity waiting for help to arrive for family members to come for the news of survivors and casualties. But the longest wait, some will let her say is for justice. They said that it looked as if someone had gone through the streets with a lawnmower mowing people down. Bodies were all over the place. And she was driving with a body still on her car. John Oaks, the deputy, goes on to say that he was dispatched down to a hit and run. He thought they were kidding me. It's Thanksgiving. I get downtown and it looks like a fucking war zone. There were bodies and shit everywhere. It was carnage. People were crying and ambulance was responding. It was a cluster. Fuck. Later, Oaks is told to keep an eye on Ford. There was a trauma center set up down at Wash Ho Med. And we had the victims coming in crying and screaming, family members crying and screaming. And she was right next door. An officer and I were directed to maintain security because a lot of people, guess what they wanted to do? They wanted to kill her black ass. She spends around five hours in the company of the killer. She was calm. She didn't care. She just looked at him point blank and said, how many people did I kill? Five, six. And when he told her, she was like, good. Like it was just another day. Very matter of fact, very matronly, motherly. She was acting self-righteous like she was justified in what she did. We couldn't figure out why at the time. Only a crazy person would do something like that. She was very lucid. She knew where she was. The trial didn't take place until a year 
later. Guilty. Not guilty. They found her guilty. She goes on to say the more the dead, the better. I deliberately plan to get as many as possible. A Lincoln Continental can do a lot of damage, can it? I am a New York teacher. I'm tired of life. I want attention. I'm sick of my problems. She said in June 1980, a voice told me to drive through a crowd at a theater and kill as many as possible. But another voice says, you know what? You're too much of a lady to do it. She said it was Joanne Kidney. Edward Kidney talking to her. And she also had an unusual fixation on, may she rest in peace, Barbara Walters. And she thought Walters was a beast. She wrote to Dear Abby. Y'all remember Dear Abby? I used to read that. In 1978, she unsuccessfully sued the leadership of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for a half a billion dollars. But, you know, but she lost. She called herself America's only authorized divinity, which would be funny if she hadn't been deadly serious. She said she just wanted to get her daughter back. That's all. She just wanted her daughter back. That's it. But according to newspaper reports, she'd been diagnosed as mentally unstable since as early as 1973 when she was diagnosed as having a passive aggressive personality and she shot her second husband and then she shot herself. But no charges were filed because she said it was in self-defense. Hmm. Sometimes she was would be ruled competent. Sometimes she would be ruled incompetent. But she said when she testified, I am human and I am divine. I don't like it any more than anyone else does. She goes on to say, oh, I want to be divine. She talked about Jesus Christ and her being Jesus Christ. She talked to my aunt about me being artificially inseminated to bear Jesus Christ. That's what Scott's testimony was about. 21 years later, she kept right on appealing. She was supposed to get the gas chamber. July 12th, but she died of emphysema. They really pushed for her to get this death penalty. So here we are. We talk about black people and mental health issues and all these other things. And it seems like, you know, they were on the right path. They were sending her to get help with her problems, but it wasn't good enough. Or was she using that? Was she using that as an excuse to do what she did? Who knows? But, It was wrong. 
She kept challenging the court systems and challenging the court systems. And I guess she thought that her bachelor's degree was going to get her released. But it didn't. So. She's dead. She's killed people. She was highly religious. She heard voices. She thought she was Jesus. She thought she was Adam. She hated black people, even though she was black. But the people that she killed, they were white. Evil lives amongst us. True crimes of African-Americans.